Yo, this is Elusive, and you are listening to the Cabbages Podcast. Yes, Jeff. Garrett, they sent the leprechaun to space. They did. The leprechaun thus far, see if you can follow me here. Okay. The leprechaun so far has gone to the middle of nowhere. Yep. Los Angeles. Hollywood, California. Vegas. Sin City. Space. Space. How did the leprechaun get into space, Gary? I, I don't know. I, well, I fully accept that there's no continuity between them. There's still a part of me that can't get around how he fucking got into space. Gary, they sent the leprechaun to space. They did. And we watched it. I watched it more than once. Yeah, I've, I've seen it three times in my life now. Yeah, it's three for me too. And each time at the very end... I'm left with this idea that like we were so, so close to having a leprechaun be the king of space and we let the humans win. This really bothers me. We let the humans win. We sent the leprechaun to space and we let the humans win. And none of the humans in this film were particularly redeemable or worthwhile in any way, shape or form. This has been a thing that you have heard me say multiple times on the show. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's no character that's as awesome as the leprechaun. Not once have I been like, Oh, okay. A worthy foe for the leprechaun. Mm -hmm. All of them are idiots. None of them are, are ever a match for the leprechaun or ever a real challenge for the leprechaun. You know, he, he's the genius from Columbia. Well, he, he, he was in leprechaun too. And in this being there, no continuity, um, he is just some space leprechaun. Now, agree to disagree. I have tried. Don't you agree to disagree on me? That's my bit. <laughs> <laughs> agree to disagree, Gary. There, there's even if there's no continuity, there's got to be a beautiful middle ground or something. I don't think there is. I remain vexed by this question. It is hard to get through this movie multiple times without constantly asking yourself how he got to space. And if I may, I'd like to read a passage from Warwick Davis's memoir, uh, Size Matters Not. Does it tackle this problem? It addresses this problem. Okay, let's go. I'm ready. Um, I I can't say you're going to be happy with what you hear, but here we go. Um, So just to give you a little backstory, he comes out of a movie uh, called Prince Valiant. It bombed. He wanted to move on quickly. So he gets the script for the next uh, Leprechaun film and finds out that it's in space. So he says, I have no idea what actually happened, but I can imagine the production meeting went something like this. Suit one, what to do with the Leprechaun next? Suit two, put him in space. <laughs> Suit three, 
How did he get there? Suit two, doesn't matter. Suit three, but he died in the last film. Suit two, doesn't matter. <laughs> and that is Warwick Davis's thoughts should, on how the leprechaun We should put got that on space. as a short play. Like, uh, you know, those old like Orson Welles theater sort of thing. Uh, so like a reenactment radio play. A reenactment sort of radio play of that, and it's that long. It's just that. I mean, yeah, I, I think uh, we do have to talk about bonus content. And I think, you know, most podcasts, there's bonus episodes and really bonus content. Idea. So Gary, we, we may need to do that. I'm full of good ideas. I mean, I wouldn't say full, but you you have some occasion. I would see, test. that's where we differ because I speak for myself and you don't speak for me. So full. I'm full of good ideas. Well, you're, you're, you're full of something. I'm taking my autonomy back, Gary. I'm feeling good. Let You know what? I'm ready to tell you. Leprechaun in space? was the best of the movies yet. Well, I... Uh, the acting I, was the best. I think we're going to get uh, have to get into that a bit deeper, and I'm excited to hear what our guests have. So if you don't mind, can I go ahead and record the intro? No, I don't mind. Hello, and welcome to Shamrocks, the Leprechaun Movie Podcast, the only unofficial weekly hip-hop podcast about the Leprechaun cinematic universe. I'm your host, Gary Suarez. I'm a freelance music journalist and critic, and I write a twice-weekly hip-hop newsletter called Cabbages, which you can subscribe to for free at cabbages.substack.com. Joining me as always is my co-host, music industry insider, Jeffrey Lachlan. Hello, Jeffrey. How are you? They sent the Leprechaun into space. Today, we'll be talking about Leprechaun 4, the 1997 movie that the AV Club called, quote, a desperate ploy to continue a horror series without having to pay any attention to continuity or the laws of reality. The leprechaun went to space, Gary. I'm so excited to introduce our guests for today's show. Joining us now is Zena Sarfin. She's formerly served as managing editor at High Times and Double XL Magazine as well as in an editorial and digital positions at Marvel, Revolver, and iHeartRadio. She currently works as the audience engagement editor for The Counter, a nonprofit and nonpartisan outlet for food journalism. Also joining us today is Elucid, the New York rapper is recorded for labels including Backwood Studios, Mellow Music Group, and Ruby Yacht, both as a solo artist as well as in collaborative projects such as Small Bills and Nostrum Grocers. He's a member of the critically acclaimed duo Armand Hammer, whose forthcoming album is called Haram and available to pre-order from backwoodstudios.com. Please welcome Elucid and Zena to the show. Hello, welcome to you both. Hi. <laughs> What's up? Well, this is a very uh, auspicious occasion um, <laughs> for a number of reasons. And the thing I'm most excited about is that we are recording this episode on the eve of the 24th anniversary Jesus. of the release of Leprechaun 4. In space. Has it been 24 years old? It will be no, tomorrow. It, it will be tomorrow. It, that movie is 24 years old. 24 years old. <laughs> Came out in right February now, of 1997. 20, 1997. 1997. Wow. When was the first Leprechaun? 93. 93. That's wild. Yeah. So it's 93, 94, 95, and then 97. So the first thing I noticed when I saw this movie, the, the only character I recognized. Was was the actor who played Joanna Man? That was Joanna Man. <laughs> Did Joanna Man come out before or after Leprechaun Four? Oh. After. After. Okay, this set him up. This is the platform. 
Yeah, that's okay. two thousand. That's two thousand and two. Okay. So you got a little. You got a little bit of time for that one. Damn. Okay. Okay. So, uh, Elucid, I, I'm to take to understand this. Had you seen a Leprechaun movie before we asked you to do this show? Never, never. I was maybe only familiar with like Leprechaun in the Hood because of maybe like, uh, like late night like cable TV. Like I feel like Leprechaun might have come on like the USA channel. Mm. Maybe like the late '90s that I maybe have seen a couple, and then like like memes and shit. Yeah, that's it. That was my first Leprechaun, and I, to be honest, I did not make it through. I did. You did not make it through. I rented it, and I had like 48 hours, and I did not make it through. I got to where they started battling. They met up with Leprechaun, the whole squad, and they were like shooting out in the lab, and then. Yeah, I guess the last 30 minutes. Okay, so so there's a few things that you missed, and we'll definitely, we'll, we'll bring you up to speed, don't worry. Yeah, should we spoiler alert you? I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I guess the question is, like, are you going to re-rent it? No, I, I'm i going to say, I think I should be them $4 for this <laughs> rental. <laughs> I can take care of that, honestly. Like, that, that's no doubt, a, we can exchange. That's a, that we, we, can exchange. we did this to yeah. you, I understand. Jesus. Uh, this is going to blow then because i find this to be easily the most delightful leprechaun movie we've seen yet <laughs> by far and, and i'm inclined to agree but before we talk about our feelings about the film i'm really quite pleased to have xena on as a guest and for a number of reasons i think the biggest is that she is our first leprechaun expert on the, the show. expert um, mm. And so I'm sort of wondering, uh, Zena, if you could tell us a bit about your experience with the Leprechaun movies um, as a viewer and as an owner of a certain Leprechaun uh, <laughs> item of note. I don't know if expert is really uh, up to my capabilities. I will say I've seen all the movies and I am the proud owner of the Pot of Four box set, which uh, ends with Lep in the Hood. Um, so I think I probably first got into these movies just because I really love that kind of... Um, Nightmare on Elm Street kind of schlocky comedic horror. I'm not really good with like gore or anything like that. So I think these kind of movies were up my alley just for that. Plus I'm short and kind of angry. So maybe I could relate to the leprechaun. Um, <laughs> but I do remember uh, I did buy this uh, when I was living near the Virgin Megastore in Manhattan. Uh, when I was still managing editor at Double XL, we used to get these ridiculous cash bonuses from a certain editor. Thanks, Al. And so I think out of almost spite, one of my purchases at Virgin Megastore that day uh, was the Pot of Gore box set. Wow. Up until that point, I'd probably only seen um, one, uh, you know, Jennifer Aniston's debut, plus the LA Gear sneakers that all girls wanted back in the day. Mm -hmm. And probably Lep in the Hood, uh, either rented or on cable somewhere. So I came to own it. And, um, you know, I worked at High Times. And so perhaps in some kind of cleaning frenzy, I definitely saw all of them at least once, but I'd forgotten a good part of it. And for this podcast, I actually did the due diligence and went back and watched them all. Watched them all. Oh my goodness. That is above and beyond. We should Venmo you. <laughs> uh -huh. Well, I have, you know, I have the box set. So maybe for like snacks and shit. Yeah. Snacks. Girl. I think it's a, a snacks. For <laughs> Ice cream bill. <laughs> wow. Well, okay. So I think that we've got this interesting balance of somebody who has experience with these films, who is, who has put a significant amount of money uh, from, from their bonus into it and has devoted the time to rewatching the series uh, ahead of this call. And then we have a guest who couldn't get through the entire fourth volume of the series, which mm -hmm. I think is a great 
dynamic. And I'm looking forward to an exciting mm-hmm. conversation that we're going to have about this movie that that is certainly the strangest in this very strange series. It's a very convoluted plot. You know, the leprechaun seeks to be, uh, for lack of a better term, the king of the universe uh, by convincing a space princess to marry him. Uh, uh-huh. The tone is sort of part starship troopers, part aliens. There's a little bit of Jurassic Park in there. Uh, and it's the second of the movies that went direct to video. I'm sort of wondering, for Z- and I'm going to ask this for you, Zena, because you have, have gone back through. Where do you rank this in the overall series? Um, let's see. It's still better than Back to the Hood, which is awful. Um, and I think it was Wait, better that than Left to... in the Hood Part Two. Would that be? Yes, total. I got you. Yeah, just, back just, in the hood. you know, gotcha. absolute miss. But in having <laughs> gone back and, and seen it, I have to say that I think the last thirty minutes of this film are probably the most fun of the entire movie. Mm. So I will say that because um, I was pretty tired of them running down the same hallways a million different times because you could tell right. like the set was just so cheap. But um, I think honestly, um, besides Lep in the Hood, which is obviously the best of the series, um, this is probably below Las Vegas. I thought Las Vegas was a lot of fun. And in rewatching it, I thought it was quite delightful um, and I really enjoyed it. So I think right under uh, Las Vegas, I'd place this one. Counterpoint, they sent the leprechaun to space. But how did he get there? Who? It doesn't matter. <laughs> how did he end up in the space? The king of space wants to be the king of space. Did he know there was space gold? Has all the gold been mined to. off Earth? How did he get there? Why is gold important to people in space? <laughs> well, it's That's first- my biggest question <laughs> from all of this. You go to, like, if I go to space, my whole expectation is I'm leaving the world behind. You know what I mean? Like, we're making a fresh start. We're going out to outer space. He's like, no, it's going to be the same financial earthly system riches. based on earthly riches. Yeah. And these people are like, absolutely, we'll do anything for gold. <laughs> so then, is this a commentary on capitalism? Absolutely. I actually feel like there's a lot of commentary in the Leprechaun movies. <laughs> um, so is. this one, this one is definitely Earth-centric because one of the things that we could get to later that happens later on is the whole the whole contract dispute that happens. Oh yeah. Um, oh, with the, the the Marines. Right. Contract so like, runs out. Uh-huh. right. So it's like, okay, so 30 days based on where Earth time, where on Earth, you know. So there are a lot of things to question. There is what I'm saying. But um, in terms of uh, values, I feel like in the Las Vegas one, there there were a couple of um, couple of jokes about uh, healthcare for all, which I thought was very ahead of its time. Mm, and in yeah. this one, I think mm. it might be capitalism. Well, okay, the speech he gives specifically about the ills of socialism, he does that twice in the movie. In this one, who the doctor mm-hmm. kind of guy. No, no, the leprechaun himself, like there's a, there's a speech where he like goes off. Well, one, he's talking to his prospective bride, the queen. Princess, uh, the future princess, Serena. Princess Serena, yeah. yeah. So he's talking to Serena and he like purposefully goes out of his way to like get her to admit her dad was foolish for giving money away to the subjects of the planet. And then tempts her with all of the riches, the earthly riches. And then on top of that, there's a, a soliloquy 
right? Where he like goes off about her sharing things 50-50 with him. Oh yeah, his, his greed was on full display. <laughs> he was definitely the greediest he'd yeah. ever been in, in this film. Mm. He's clearly not in favor of, you know, the redistribution of wealth. And he's definitely not in no. favor of, <laughs> of giving back to the community. He's, no. he's about hoarding. You know, he's in a way, he's very much like a lot of uh, American billionaires. I, I've we've had guests refer to him as a Trump like figure before. And I think that, <laughs> I think that rings true in this one. Um, you know, it's an alliance and you can't really trust him uh, at any point in this process. Um, but there's nobody in this film who's looking out for anybody but number one. Uh, there, there's, the, there's the dynamic between uh, Tina, uh, played by Jessica Collins, who had a lengthy run on the soap opera Loving and makes her a direct-to-video debut here, and Sergeant Malloy, a.k.a. Books, uh, Brent Jasmer of The Bold and the Beautiful. Uh, so again, mm. you've got two soap Wait, opera she was the uh, She was the biologist. She was the biologist, and he was the guy who was like, we don't have anything Correct. to talk about because I have a GED or something, a high school diploma. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Yes, the, the biologist who knows Books. karate. And I, I think right. that's important right. to point out. Uh, but there- what, what, I, was, I was struck by her hair. This is so, so ridiculous. But Please. Her hair, it was like very like lustrous and super thick, like abnormally thick. Am I, am I off? No, that just happens in space. <laughs> just extra volume. Just yeah, yeah. you just get there yeah. and you're like, damn, I look incredible. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's just true, a thing. True. You also have to assume <laughs> that conditioner and volumizing technology has had improved. Uh, Super advanced. Oh, know, man. Far beyond 1997 standards. Jesus. Um, it's funny because all I could really see was the 1990s eyebrows on her. <laughs> that was your focus. Yeah, that was the super thin eyebrows. I'm still man. recovering from it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we mentioned Princess Zarina, who is mm-hmm. a, a similarly unscrupulous uh, character. She had a previously a recurring role on Baywatch, and like Tina, Jessica Collins uh, made her direct-to-video debut here. Do you think that their alliance could ever have worked out? I think there was always going to be a double cross. It would actually make for a very good sitcom between the two of them, better than WandaVision probably. She's obviously physically repelled by him, uh, repulsed by him. Uh, in their first <laughs> encounter. There's there's no ambiguity there. But he definitely seeks to have a physical relationship with her. And, and Zena, I know since you've seen the previous films, uh, there has been, particularly in Leprechaun 2, uh, a lot of discussion about the Leprechaun and sex. I'm... Gross, guys. <laughs> I have not thought about that. <laughs> I'm well, Unfortunately, we have thought quite a lot about it and discussed it. I, I, I have an opinion on this whole sex. thing, but go ahead, Gary. He can't have reasonably thought that they would ever do that together, right? I 100% think that they would have definitely had sex. Well, he shows up wearing For the gold. Socks. Clearly, the he was jewels. there to impress her. Right. He came in and like spoke in like a beautiful British accent and like was very elegant and kind. And had and green stuff. champagne. Like, he was putting on all mm-hmm. the airs. He did have the green champagne, he did. Yeah. Non-stop it can be like cap. this if you want. I'll do whatever you want, so long as you give me the power. And with that, of course, comes consequences for her. Well, he literally jumps on a grenade for her. It's true. <laughs> and that's how he died the first time. He's not a very good, uh, I guess, mythical possible human like creature 
not a human, uh, uh, definitely a, mis- a mythical right. creature, not human. Yeah, I've kind of come around on that. I'm, I'm, I'm more, I'm into the, the idea that he's a mythical beast. Yeah, he's not just an Irishman like you. Right. Okay. I'm with that. Yeah. Okay, uh, I'm glad we've, we've gotten to this sort of reconciliation. Mostly, but also, also though, uh, I think you have to believe that the, the leprechaun is going to somehow connive his way into marriage. That's the only way this works. I didn't understand, like, like he was conniving his way into marrying her. But mm-hmm. the only thing she seemed to be interested in, the fact that he could provide jewels and, like, gold. But it's like, if you're, if you're a princess, like, you'd have inheritance to all of these riches anyway. So, like, what so if- that's covered by the idea that the, the father has given away the entire... Oh, so she feels shafted as as a socialist. So that's why the hook, the hook is I'm not going to do that. You can have whatever you want. Yeah, the king is sort of a Bernie Sanders type figure, and um, got you, got you. Okay. And the leprechaun is your bog standard Republican. (laughs) Bog standard. (laughs) Listening to new ears. Okay. And originally, he did have intentions of you know having an actual marriage. But halfway through, he really is a greedy bastard and decided he didn't want to share 50-50. He really thought he was marrying in like California or something. Mm. So that's when he decided that he was going to uh, to marry her and bury her on the same day. Yeah, wed her, bed her, and bury her, he said. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Wed, bed, and dead. I was surprised he didn't go with dead. There was not there was a critical lack of rhyming in this one. <laughs> right. It did throw me off. I was like, he could have said deader. Which, like, <laughs> I'm assuming uh, we're not allowed to talk about it yet, but I'm assuming Leprechaun in the Hood will solve that problem. Mm. Well, I I likened this film to sort of the vagina monologues of the series. Um, Jesus Christ! What? <laughs> because wow. in because in previous volumes he was big on limericks and rhyming, and that was okay, that right. was a huge component. And in this one, he is speaking like a Shakespearean figure talking to no one in particular, except the audience mm-hmm. uh, without rhyming being any component to that. And so it's uh, it's fantastic because we do get to see Warwick Davis's range, but at the same time, there is a certain joy to hearing him delightfully uh, rhyme. What is nice, however, I will say, is that while we lose that musical component uh, with the leprechaun in this film, we get the benefit of the amazing music uh, in mm. the bar uh, slash nightclub that is on this spaceship. Um, which oh. <laughs> what a jam! I was a bit thrown off by the fact that there is a bar and nightclub on a spaceship, right? With yeah. a mirror ball. With a mirror ball. I felt like we were on a Star Trek Voyager type of type of ship. Does that make sense? Where it was there's like you're spending a lot of time on that ship. So it didn't really surprise me they'd have like a place to blow off steam. But like, if you're all on the same ship and it's not that many of you, why do you need a bartender? I would have said more of a, <laughs> a, a Deep Space Nine uh, approach, but you know, sure, I mean, sure. I guess that just, that's just the difference between us. Wow. But the, Did we see a bartender though? Or maybe we didn't. There was a bar though. They were tending their, their own bar and, and making their own drinks. There wasn't okay. a separate person. Okay. I mean, they're, they're, they're grownups. They know how to make their own drinks. The music and the dancing was really something because it, it, <laughs> it, took, it takes you out of the future component of this and reminds you that this is 
part of a genre of film we got in the 1990s, the sort of B-movie that's kind of sexy, kind of corny, coming together where there's like the prospect of people having sex under... Yeah, it was softcore porn without the sex. Right, the Skinamax, <laughs> the Skinamax approach. Mm-hmm. Skinamax. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, we're going to have to keep talking about sex. I know that some of us might be uncomfortable about some of these topics, but I think it's, we have to keep talking about it. Um, the first uh, scene uh, where sex... Uh, was on the horizon uh, is when our poor unfortunate character known as Kowalski uh, Uh finds himself in a position uh, where he, for lack of a better term, uh, gives birth from his dick uh, to (laughs) the uh, exploding leprechaun piece. um, (laughs) That was a great part. That was a great scene. In the Aliens films, you had the uh, chest burster. and mm. in this film, you had the dick burster. And I, I think that <laughs> given that the leprechaun seems so intent on betting his bride, why is he cock blocking? Mm. I, I think that he derives a certain amount of just pure joy from people's struggles. So, you know, what better time to make someone struggle than when they're about to have like a really good time? So you're saying it's Scheidenfreude. Yeah, he loves Schadenfreude. I think it was a missed opportunity for a threesome joke. <sighs> That's a good point. And, <laughs> I, you know, I don't, I don't think anybody on this show thus far has given the Leprechaun a lot of credit for being the genius of Arnie. But that was pretty stupid. I mean, he did make the joke about the prolactic, um, which I think is, you know, if you're improving, if you're riffing, you come up with ideas. I love that word. <laughs> he didn't say condom. He said prophylactic. Prophylactic. He did. Mm-hmm. But you know he's he's known for these one-liners. There's some good ones in this in this film too. My favorite is, as Shakespeare said, "Shit happens." Apropos <laughs> <laughs> of nothing. But let's but let's go back because it's it's worth looking into how he got to space there in the first place. How he got inside of Kowalski. Oh, the Kowalski. No, how he got inside of Kowalski's body, where he came up like some kind of parasitic fish uh, up through his okay, urine later in the film this is okay so i'm this particular thing he like entered through uh this guy's peeing right yes and then the leprechaun sneaks into his body while he's peeing later he just like manifests so this was this was wild revenge for getting peed on right that's right that is what happened okay okay i didn't th- i didn't i just put that together yeah, but this was the Schadenfreude wasn't just for you two are being naughty. It was you peed on me, mm-hmm. and I'm going to explode out of you at the worst possible moment when you're about to bang the tool time girl. Yes, that's the other thing to point out that uh, Dolores, uh, that character who has her own tragic death later, uh, set to the this little piggy uh, theme, uh, was the uh, model on Tool Time, the show within a show on Tim Allen's Home no Improvement. Way. That's correct. Yeah, that's that's correct. Heidi wow. right there. <laughs> Her straight to video debut, I assume, uh, since everybody. I think she might have done something before that, but it was a pretty, okay. uh, it was a pretty long run. She was on like 136 episodes of Home Improvement. So I have a question for Elusive. Mm-hmm. What, like, what was the moment where you were like, "What? I'm not doing this. <laughs> I can't. I'm going to bed. I'm not. What am I doing with my life? Where were you left astray from the flock?" Man. What's the last thing you remember being purely angry about? I think um, maybe the bar scene. Mm. Bar scene. 
when Woods was being uh, like kind of a dick to what's her name? I think I, I think I cut it then. It's a couple of times. It's a couple of times that I cut it. I did. I was. Oh, I so was you went back and tried, it. like you did it in sections and just couldn't do the. Yeah. So then I, I picked it back okay. up, right? I picked it back up okay. at that bar scene, and that's when the when Kowalski gets offed. And I was like, all right, right I'm in it. I'm in it, and I'm in my second viewing, and then I cut it again. Maybe when what's the guy? What's the uh, doctor? Doctor Middle. Doctor Mittenhand. 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 When he starts like with the DNA shit. He's like transferring the DNA from uh, the princess. Yes. So wait, wait, I have a question about this part. Like he was trying to, to like, like poach her DNA to grow himself, like a torso, <laughs> a midsection. And An legs, entire body. Like, yeah. 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 Bugged out. He was going to so try and recreate wow. his old body. <laughs> yeah. It seems to me that Dr. Mittenhand, it, this is some real boys from Brazil shit going on. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Like, right? Like it's like this is probably uh, the impression I'm supposed to be getting is that this is a this is a Nazi scientist who has somehow been able yeah, to it's survive. It's a weird eugenic thing. And I couldn't like place his accent, but I was like, it's vaguely German. And what mitten mittenhand? Mittenhand, like mitten on your hand. Mittenhand. Hmm. I don't know, man. It was a weird, he's a weird, he's a weird guy. A weird character. That was one of the strangest characters I think anyone's ever encountered in a film. Mm -hmm. It looked he looked like a weird, like He-Man doll, and like we were just to believe that this was like the most brilliant person in the world, but like he was on televisions like through most of the movie, and then was just like, oh, I've been here all along. I actually was traveling with you, and you just had no idea. Which is something that actually got used in um, Prometheus. The alien quote-unquote prequel oh yeah that's right i think part of what's getting me about dr mittenhand and this you know this unspoken thing about him clearly being some kind of preserved nazi scientist who has used technology to keep himself alive in this ridiculous way um is that the actor who played dr mittenhand uh, guy seiner played a nazi uh, on british television for many years yep. on the show allo allo uh so it's uh it, it's it's sort of stuck as a um i think for lack of a better term it's sort of being typecast as the nazi and he's sort of really leaning into that i almost thought maybe he was some future version of that character see yeah that's way. what i thought i thought maybe that he was a callback to that character um and it took me a while to recognize that voice because it's been a long time since i've seen these movies anyhow but when i went back to imdb and saw what else he was in i couldn't believe it was like sergeant gunther or something yeah and I remember as a teenager seeing Allo Allo on PBS, hoping that like, you know, like, what was it? The, um, like some other porno kind of show or the young ones were on. Because mm -hmm. they used to do that on Saturday nights on PBS. And that's how I became familiar with it. And it blew my mind that this was the same guy. I mean, that's the thing with it. Is so many of these people had TV roles before and his is, seems like such a real callback. Um, he's not the only callback though, interestingly enough. Um, and I, this is where we get into uh, uh, one of my favorite characters in the film, and that's Sergeant Metalhead, uh, played by uh, Tim Colsheri. <laughs> now, there is a scene where, in this where he makes a sort of a full metal jacket style threat at Harold, the creepy uh, scientist assistant, where he says, you know, basically the equivalent of I'll cut off your head and shit down your neck that uh, Arlie Ermey did in Full Metal Jacket in the first scene. But the actor, Tim Colsheri, 
was actually in the movie Full Metal Jacket playing. That's tight. He played the door gunner during the Vietnam uh, half of the film, um, basically gunning down innocent people in there. But he was, in another extra twist, originally supposed to play the drill sergeant that Arlie Ermey ended up playing in an iconic role. So this was like him returning to a character that he was originally supposed to be playing. And so that character was utterly pointless, right? Like he came in, he yelled at everybody for a while, but then like never really mattered to anything. Come on, metal, metalhead? Yeah. Metal. And then as soon as they got into battle, everything was just loosey goosey and there were no rules anymore. I like that he had the squads back when Mittenhan was trying to force them all to stay. Like, I didn't like him at all. And then when I saw- He was a pretty him, shrewd like, negotiator. That leadership role, I was like, okay, I, you know, I'm a little more sympathetic. You know what I mean? It's like, fuck that, we're out of here. You know, the contract is over. We're leaving, you know? And they didn't, but still, I like that he had that little show of leadership there. He was, he was kind of like it to me. It was wild that their price was so low for, for battling a beast that they yeah. had just watched. <laughs> I like the negotiation. Live inside of a dude and blow his penis out. <laughs> and then they were like, you know what? You can't kill him. He's obviously going to kill us all. I want two and a half more percent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Is that the net or the growth? Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You know what, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die with the promise that I would have gotten paid a little more. <laughs> but did you guys get, did you get to his drag performance at the end? Because that was pretty momentous. That was pretty Metalhead? Oh, yeah. Jesus. Oh, see, you didn't get to see that scene. And that, You're going to need to re-rent this. Send him another $4.99. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. If we talk about it, I think he probably won't. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think we might have to, to Venmo you $10 uh, just to... <laughs> Just attempt you because yes, uh, after that wonderful scene uh, where Metalhead is basically a stand-in for director Brian Trenchard Smith uh, arguing mm. for greater percentage, it's a real Hollywood studio sort of debate about uh, compensation in film. I mean, the points thing is like super direct in that. Um, he then somehow falls uh, falls prey to the Leprechaun in a way we hadn't seen before, where he is taken over by the mm -hmm. Leprechaun and dance fight uh his his marines and sing he was he was a song he was great no he yeah he lives in he lives in for his life yeah total show tune 39th in maine the 31st in maine lucky chang's lucky chang's yeah you know what and he looks great and he yeah he he looks good and and he dance fought with books and books is very accepting he was very like you know you look good he looks like a sergeant he's into it a lot of movies from this era would have made some, really some off-color jokes around that. There would have been, you know, homophobic stuff around that that was very overt. They would have used certain language. They had, there's, there's a lot of room where this could have actually turned into some real problematic territory. And in fact, it, it doesn't do that. It, it kind of just plays up to the camp of it, like the birdcage almost, like how they're presenting it. It's a campy moment within a ridiculous film. And it should be pointed out that the birdcage came out in 1996. Uh, so mm. it wasn't, you know, this is more Brian Trichard Smith sort of appropriating from pop culture. For jumping this far ahead in the movie, that means that he also missed uh, Princess Serena's boobs. I did see Princess Serena's boobs. Everyone oh, you did? Okay, so you saw that. Okay, good. I I'm really glad you got that. to see those. Okay, so am I. 
Right. She, I guess she, was, she wasn't <laughs> hypnotizing them, but I think she just showed her moves and everyone was just like, Ugh. Oh, yeah. All the dudes were reduced to pudding. And right. were like, oh, <laughs> like, anytime there's boobs, dudes are just like, oh, no. Boobs with glitter, even. Yeah, they just melt. <laughs> and, like, the best part was that it was it was uh, to show them she was angry. <laughs> I've been known to do the same, guys. I've been known to do the same. <laughs> <laughs> Fair, fair. A close friend feature on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> this is something that is recurring in the Leprechaun films. Not in the first one, um, but starting with the second Leprechaun movie, there have been topless scenes, quite gratuitous, in every single one. This was the most gratuitous of all those scenes. Even more gratuitous than that, I would say, is the scene where Princess Serena and the Leprechaun restrain Dr. Mittenhand and or have him ball gagged uh that was hilarious when i first saw that like he has a ball gag as well okay where did they find it right (laughs) is it in the same place that sent the leprechaun to space i guess (laughs) <laughs> you never really know they're just automatically as a ball gag like, so I was wondering that about the ball gag and also about um, metalhead drag costume because is this mm, something right. he came on board with and was doing in his like spare time and his, mm. yeah, his personal barracks or whatnot or did the leprechaun make it happen the way he did the handcuffs towards the beginning of the movie right. there's lots to think about here probably brought it on board you know all this hyper hyper aggressive masculine thing as a cover up for you know his other side, you know, he just like mm. play at night by himself. I think that makes the most sense. I think it, it, there's some things are you kind of fall into the leprechaun as a uh, master of illusion and having these abilities. But I think given the the cast of characters that have been on this, uh, that have, we've seen in this film, it's entirely possible that somebody had a ball gag. Uh, <laughs> it is inconceivable that- Do you think that been... both of them had a ball gag? They were like, no, I'll Jesus. use mine. Like, don't, yours is newer. It's fine, I'll use this one. <laughs> I've been meaning to replace my ball gag. It's reasonable that there might be multiple ball gags uh, in everybody's uh, rucksacks. Uh, This is dope. (laughs) That's dope. (laughs) (laughs) We're safe to assume that we're multiple ball gags. I think it's reasonable. I think it's reasonable. Um, It's one of the areas of the film that makes makes a great deal of sense uh, as opposed to the transformation of Dr. Mittenhand into uh, Mitten Spider. Uh, the, the mm. horrific mutant, which I, it, but also Mitten Scorpion. There were scorpions added in the blender too. Yes, there yeah. were. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an arach, it's an arachnid, um, and that's I think sort of the uh, alien influence coming back in again. You know, they're the you know the H.R. Giger alien definitely has sort of scorpion-like sort of qualities to it physically. So I don't think that's that's out of reach. But I think Mitten Spider is uh, just a better way of trying about it. And he does call himself Mitten Spider. Right, true, During true. Uh, his monologue, not only does the leprechaun get his his moments to speak uh, to nobody in particular, so too does uh, does Doctor Mittenhand now Mitten Spider. Um, I couldn't quite figure out what he was doing to Juana Man, though. Um, I mean, was he trying to encase him in in that? Was he planning on eating him later? I couldn't quite understand. Yeah, he said. That, remember, he said that he that he didn't want to be the fly. Oh. Spider. So I definitely thought that was like a, you know, like a takeoff of, um, yeah, of the fly movie. Also, arachnophobia predates this as well, mm. which had a gigantic spider. Yeah, there's so many different moments in here. It reminded me of that scene a little bit. But like, yeah, it seemed like Mitten Spider couldn't quite digest Juana Man. 
because he was only halfway in the whole time. And I'll, like, it, it was very strange, that scene. I miss. I, I didn't get to that part. I didn't get to that part. Oh man! It's like he was hanging from some kind of like hentai, like rope, you know, kind of situation. Mm. Oh, mm-hmm. sorry, that's just okay. me talking. No, this is a very. Uh, no, look, I think I think <laughs> we already had multiple ball gags. It's more than fine. <laughs> the reality is, is that this is a disturbingly sexual movie. Um, it comes. It comes in all different shapes and forms. Uh, Gary, would you say it was a psychosexual thriller? <laughs> a psychosexual thrill ride uh, a thrill ride yes i don't think a thriller yeah, okay. i don't think it has it meets all the cinematic criteria for a thriller um but for a thrill ride yes absolutely wild that's fair. can i get a sense from people what your favorite death in the film was uh what's the woman's name who fell oh dolores dolores only <laughs> only because she woke up to say like kill that bastard I remember laughing. I remember laughing at that part. Yeah. Not like tell my tell my mom I love her. Yeah, right? Like this is <laughs> your last, your final words. <laughs> After just watching him come back to life. Thanks a lot. Great advice. For me, it was probably Mitten Spider because uh I think all the explosive pieces, I feel like they really spent their money on those few key scenes. And that was one of them. Just the explosion. So he does die at the end. Mitt Spider does die at the end. Yeah. Is, is he like? Is there like? Is he like exploding? Hardcore exploding. Yeah. Like liquid like nitrogen. Like foam party. Yeah, like foam party and a visa exploding. Oh. oh. I, I just kind of like left off where he was like, everyone was shooting in the room, and Mitten Hand was just kind of spazzing out and like yeah. jerking, like he was getting electrocuted, and I was like, he's gonna blow any second. Oh no! Yeah, no. The the third act is far is far uh, far wilder than that. Mm. Okay, but like, also, can we just? I want to make a note about her death. That that was your favorite. About Dolores, okay. That that the leprechaun plays a a Tweety Bird like game of this little piggy went to market. Mm. Yes, he did before yeah. with her as like like this was in the middle of this. They're like, is this a kids movie for four minutes? Maybe. And then she falls to her death. Why? Why? What? What was that there for? Maybe that was counting as rhyming. That sucks. That's the. That's my biggest complaint about this film is the the lack of rhyming. His soliloquies reminded me of Pinhead when he talked about like power and how he was there to mm. sort of deliver evil. Um, so maybe that's what I liked about it because I really enjoy the Hellraiser series also. Another very sexual character. Mm. Um, you know, Pinhead knows his way around some ball gags for sure. Definitely. The very definition of psychosexual. And nipple clamps, for sure. <laughs> but, but I just learned very recently <laughs> about like the sexual dynamics of Hellraiser. I'd had no idea. Like I saw it as a kid, but I'm a grown ass person and finally like, like understood. Like these people were just like total SM freaks, like interstellar SM freaks. I never connected to until very recently. But anyway. <laughs> I, I read the book when I was too young, and so the the the, the Hellbound Heart, the novella that Clyde Barker did, that was making that. That's what's wrong. Mm. And so that's what's wrong with. Okay, you. I've been trying to figure it out for years. Um, but my favorite death in this entire film is pure slapstick, pure comedy, pure Looney Tunes. Pizza face. It is Harold who is Ugh. killed by a face flattening <laughs> tray, um, and then the dumbest death. 
I hate I it. About that, yeah. It's the best death in the entire series. He not only gets hit in the face and flattened like a cartoon character. <laughs> Beyond that, he then says, mm, <laughs> and falls to the ground <laughs> like a cartoon character. It's so stupid. Like every other death has been absurd or some level reasonable. Yes, the dick burst is ridiculous. Lucky being killed by the lightsaber in the very beginning, that's absurd and that's funny and that's commentary. Flesh-eating bacteria. Quick sidebar, Gary, do you think Lucky is a descendant of the Lucky from the third film? I do not want to talk about that. I don't even want to. Okay, great, great, no, great. Moving on, moving on. There is no on. continuity between these movies. Moving on. And then you have Mooch, who's killed by a flesh-eating bacteria, which, you know, I mean, like, when you think about... That's my most disappointing death. Is that the most disappointing death to you? Why? I really wanted this scene where you just, like, it pans over and it's the skeleton. You're like, ah. Oh. I guess you didn't really have the budget to make a flesh-eating virus thing, but I wanted to see Brian Trenchard Smith take a run at it. I mean, but it was a real concern actually during those times. I mean, there was there was a lot of uh, conversation in the '90s about Ebola um, and a lot of yeah, mis- and a lot of mis- Ebola and, shit, yeah. and a lot of misinformation about it too. So, sort of yeah. like the assumption would be like, oh, he's exposed to this bacteria and it just destroys him instantly. Like that, I don't think that's that's quite reasonable. Um, but no, Harold turned this into a cartoon. And once that happened, it sets us up for the final for the final act of the leprechauns. Um, what's the best term for it? Uh, the leprechauns embiggening, <laughs> where he, he grows to an extraordinary size. Again, it's a perfectly cromulent. Uh, Honey, I grew the leprechaun. <laughs> exactly. And Elucid, I apologize that uh, that this is another scene that you missed out on. Boy, I think it's cool. the payoff. Yeah, um, the, grows up. So do you remember the laser that made the gold small uh, yes. for easier transport? Um, yes. It can be reversed uh, as had been discussed earlier. Um, uh, and it is used to make the leprechaun giant. Like way, way bigger than humans. Into an actual giant. In Warwick Davis's memoirs, uh, he talks about this scene in particular. Uh, so they have all these- <laughs> Wow, you went too scary. Is real? It's happened on every episode. The, the the reaction is normally like, the what? <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, wow. Yeah, go ahead. Gary. So in Warwick Davis's memoirs, <laughs> and he does talk about the Leprechaun movies uh, extensively. Uh, he talks about doing the scene where he is large and looking for books amid, uh, looking for the character books amid these boxes, uh, cargo boxes, which conceivably hold things like his gold. He shoots the scene and Brian Trenchard Smith says to him, that was great. We really like that Warwick. Can you do it without doing the sound effects from your mouth, please? Because what he had been doing was going around with the boxes going (laughs) having the time of his life, making mouth noises (laughs) as he Knocked over boxes to find to find it. The Leprechaun rules. (laughs) I love these movies. That is ridiculous. I'm taking it back to the lab for a second because I actually did take notes when I watched this. Um, I made my partner watch it last night, and uh, I asked him after the movie. I I asked if there was any part of this film he actually enjoyed, and he just looked at me and said, "No." Zero percent. Yeah, there's a note that says uh, there's definitely a dildo in the lab scene. So if you, oh. you stand over, 
there's definitely like a blue dildo just taking up space along with all the different like bottles nice. speakers and things like that. I wonder if they filmed this in like a mall or something and they were, they were just in the porn store for a lot of it. Because they were like, that's a whole lot of stuff just laying around that people have. I feel like 60% of this movie was shot in that same warehouse slash hallway scene that they kept running through. Yeah. I think the reality is that because this is such a low budget film, um, that it, it's conceivable that they were working with props from other low budget films. Uh, and given the types of movies, the Skinamax fair of the time, it's entirely possible and porn. Uh, it's entirely possible that these were things that were lying around and it's Easter eggs for uh, fans to go back and notice later on. I, I'm excited now to go back and watch it. I, I, I have the movie up on my screen uh, as I, as I often do when I'm uh, recording these uh, to look at. So I'm going to go back and check out that scene for sure. Uh, Elucid, if you decide to do a rewatch uh, all the way through, I encourage you to keep an eye open uh, for the blue dildo. <laughs> we'll do. We'll do. I think we could all keep our eyes open for the blue dildo. You know? That's just an good Easter advice. egg. It literally is an Easter egg. Um, <laughs> so I did have some thoughts about this, and I did listen to the last podcast just to sort of get ready to figure out what to expect. Oh, terrific! And there is this mm. idea of the multiple leprechauns. And I hadn't given this any thought at all, but now I'm starting to think just because like, how the hell else are you gonna explain him being in space? That, that this is definitely some kind of like leprechaun clone situation, which to me implies that there's some kind of final boss leprechaun somewhere. Huh. Did I overthink this guys? No, I'm really into this. <laughs> yeah, you, this is this is we were going to get here at some point because Jeff and yeah. I have had an ongoing disagreement, and obviously Jeff is mistaken. There's there's <clears throat> no continuity between these films. The the makers of None. these films, uh, the studio execs themselves, have said there was never any desire to have continuity between these films. Um, the only thing that is a constant is that Warwick Davis plays the Leprechaun. There's nothing that says that it has to be the same leprechaun in each film. There's nothing that calls back to the other films. It's not as if, oh, it's Pinhead and Pinhead's the same Pinhead from each film. It's not Freddy Krueger. It's not the same one. It is a leprechaun. Unless you want to have fun and believe in a cool, magical being that's doing cool shit. Unless you want that in your life. If you want to be a cold, calculated human that just stares at art for its aesthetic value... Then yeah, go with Gary's explanation. So the realistic standpoint, uh, which is the one that <laughs> we I'm have to, we have to represent both sides, Gary. I mean, I'm I'm liking actually the way Zena's thinking has taken her, where there is some kind of super leprechaun or uh, boss leprechaun, or sort of, or, or, or even if we're getting into, we're really gotta get into this down this rabbit hole. There is like the alpha leprechaun. There is the one who made all of these guys. You know, there is this sort of like a Dracula sort of figure where if you kill that one vampire, if you kill that one vampire, you kill them all or you convert them back. Is So there's like a, there's a leprechaun? There is a, a, a leprechaun? Yeah. Is there a leprechaun? Is that what I'm, is that what you're I mean, saying? I don't know if we can get into a leprechaun. I don't know if we have that kind of time on a show like this, but it is worth thinking. Uh, Elucid, as somebody who has uh, seen less than one of these films, I'd love... <laughs> Yeah. Do you do you think that it is a ridiculous conversation to be thinking about whether or not there is a greater leprechaun than the one we've seen on screen? 
No, absolutely not ridiculous. I'm into the whimsy and the imagination. So okay. I, it's it's cool like hear y'all like talk about it in this way and all these things that I've never even considered while I was watching it and hating. I was totally in hater mode. And I was I was amused at times, but it's cool to hear y'all like uh plot these possibilities. I've never thought of it. Illustrate as a as a person that watches a lot of really awful films. Uh, you kind of have to create your own whimsy because they are bad. They're poorly made yeah. and stuff and not much money. But yeah, I'm with you. I personally, I think Xena's idea is, is brilliant and it's a beautiful compromise in between our two worlds, Gary and I. Mm. And I'm going to give this some serious thought. I guess the other probable theory is that he just has to, because he keeps like exploding, right? Mm. So he just mm -hmm. needs like this certain amount of time to bring himself together, like um, mm -hmm. to go with a phantom that I'm very not into. However, I did see the movies, but like, is the gold his horcrux, and he just needs to assemble a bunch of it, and then he becomes his self again? That's another theory, but I'm going with my first. Boy, I love that theory too. These are great. Hey, I watch oh, a lot man. of. I have a Buffy tattoo, you guys. I have a Buffy tattoo. I anything. <laughs> I have the interest of a 14 year old boy. I'm good. Somewhere in the ether that you're forming there lies a greater leprechaun truth. And I think that that's something that I've been trying to get to, uh, that Gary's been kind of stunting my development on. <laughs> uh, so I appreciate both of you being so open to the idea that these radical ideas can exist within the leprechaun cinematic universe. So if there is some sort of mega leprechaun, does that mean that the one that we've been seeing on screen in each of these films, does that mean that we can't kill the leprechaun is the leprechaun incapable of dying? I think the answer is yes. You can't ice let it cannot. Mm -mm. I mean, he died like four times in this movie alone. He kept dying in this movie and coming back, even when coming they killed back. him at the end when he coming is back when he is jettisoned out of the air. Don't just don't don't spoil this last scene, please. Okay, you know what? <laughs> because uh, indeed, well, okay, but can we like ear or so? I think we have to discuss it on the okay, podcast. okay, because that's okay. You know, okay, we can, you're right, you're you know, right. you know, Jeff, we can discuss it in our in, in another segment. Uh, that way we don't spoil it because I think if we've done anything over the course of this conversation, is we've spent a considerable amount of time trying to convince Elucid to watch the rest of this movie. It's true, and I, I mean, I hate to put him on the spot, but what do, what do you think, Pop? You gonna you gonna jump in with two? With two feet? Are you gonna hit that last 30 minutes? We gotta know. I gotta buy it again, bro. I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the demo. I'm waiting for the Okay. You know what? I think we should start a GoFundMe for <laughs> how much is it on on to get me to finish lap four. Yeah. Yeah, I think we can do it. Today would be the day. People finish feeling today, today would be 50 the day. cents get you like a, a shout out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Like set it up. Uh, so I, I think that's what we're gonna do. I think we're gonna set up a uh, we're gonna set up a GoFundMe and uh, try to get people to support <laughs> you watching yeah. uh, Leprechaun movies. Hell yeah! <laughs> I think we can do this. I get people. I think we can do this. I think we can make this we dream need, happen. What do we need? What? How much did you buy the original cinematic universe for? Twenty five bucks. Yeah, I bought when I bought the, the 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 movies on Apple. I spent I spent twenty five dollars. So we need to raise the whole collection. With tax, so we need to raise thirty. We need to raise like thirty dollars to 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 make up for uh, the one that you uh, originally <laughs> rented, goes, and then to commit you to the next one. Uh, anything over thirty goes to food banks. Yes, there, there we go. There I think we I think we figured it out. What, how much are you going to commit though? Are you going to watch all of them? Because I can't see you in a world. 
where you can do all of them, man. Man, you so said there good. were there were seven or there's, eight. There, there's six. There's well, six. six. There there's six. six in the original cinematic. And then two reboots. We don't talk about the reboots. No, Damn, I give it a shot. I give it a shot, man. All right. These are really fucked up. I love this idea. <laughs> you heard it here first. If you guys donate money to our GoFundMe, and we'll put this up on the web, and we'll put this up on social. If you donate money, we can get Elucid, a critically acclaimed rapper, to watch the entire Leprechaun series. Heard it here. All we need is thirty. Bucks. All we need is thirty. If we can raise thirty dollars, and then everything so else, we get over 30. and everything over thirty goes to food banks. If we can raise thirty dollars, we will make this happen. I would love it. I would a proud owner of the le- the leprechaun, the leprechaun series. Please, please, y'all. Please donate. Thank you. Garrett. Yes, Jeff. Garrett. Yeah. Gary, like the corners of my mind. Oh, boy. Misty watercolor, Gary. Seriously. Okay, so. Like the way we were. Come Static on. The, okay. It keeps going. You know what, though? Gun talk. Gun talk for real. All right. Gun talk. The actual worst death in that movie was the leprechaun blowing up at the end. The absolute worst. It was, it was a massive disappointment. The leprechaun's deaths in these movies have never been the best parts of these films. But I think this is of the leprechaun. We did get multiple, death. multiple deaths in this one though, which did make up for it a little bit. Him diving on the on the explosive was pretty, you know, pretty sick. Yeah, and his head being like having come off his body and being in the sand, like that was pretty cool. I will, I will. Yeah, say that, that was good. a much. The problem is, is that the death went downhill from there. Yeah. Yeah, because you were. The face guy and I'm, I'm a little surprised but let, let's continue talking about this no episode. no no yeah like i we can we can agree to disagree on the best death but i think you and i are right i, I think you and i are on the same page here um in a rare move on this show where we expect a bit better uh especially after a film that had like you know nine kills uh in one way or another and some pretty amazing and the one thing it. a cheap movie can do is blow shit up the more shit you blow up the happier the the execs are probably this was a terrible explosion like the the cgi was atrocious and they've exploded him before that's what really drives me nuts it's like he's blown up before they've done it and they've done it with what it looks like an actual thing getting blown up this was just like it's like he's in space he's in space kaboom yeah that said the actual full-on ending with the the extended middle finger of the of the leprechaun. Mm. That was a real treat. That was a joy. 
that was I was really excited that he got to give him one last flip up because like you know he's not dead he's just sort of roaming in the ever expanding universe but it, right? it also yeah I mean like look you recognize he's de- he's not dead and because you can't kill the leprechaun you can't kill established the leprechaun. it we've established that every time he dies he doesn't actually die Right, like, he's still the leprechaun. You may be rid of him for now, or he might. You not. got him off the ship, which is a big deal. Yeah, like getting him off the ship is important, but it's like what I don't understand. Then this is what I'm really what's what's really been getting to me, and why I'm I'm having trouble sleeping these days is the pandemic. If he, well, yes, God, sure, okay, go ahead. But if he, <laughs> if he can reconstitute in the urinary tract of, of a human being while leaving the body parts that have been blown off of him behind, how is it that in the vacuum of space, he can't do the same thing by going into some kind of air duct or something on the ship and getting right back on and making a new version of himself? I think that space has a a controlling quality to it to where you can't resist it. That's nonsense. No, that's nonsense. That's utter nonsense. But how do you know? None of the like, no other mythical creatures come from space he was able to manifest a middle finger in the vacuum of space right he can move individual parts that are still partially intact but he cannot reconstitute himself to make decisions based as a as a living being per se he's at the mercy of space no i think that's a stretch i think that's a wild stretch what do you mean it's a stretch what are you stretching he's stretching it's a ridiculous film i'm allowed to stretch it the way i want to stretch it well i mean if you're just going to add ridiculous on top of ridiculousness then i don't even know what to say at this point are you listening to our podcast gary i mean i try i try to uh, to tune in i mean once in a while a recently lauded rapper a huge rapper to me we had it was a fantastic leprechaun four yeah, we've had, we've had some great guests on the show. <laughs> um, I, I don't see what's absurd or ridiculous you know about what? that. You know what? You want more gun talk? You want some straight up gun talk? Yeah, let's hear it. They didn't send Chucky to space. Thank you.